everybody, and welcome to the RV Miles podcast, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And this is episode 330 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.com slash episode 30. You can also keep up with RV Miles on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Jason and I are chronicling our travels over at ourwanderingfamily.com. And we are also on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We have a great show today. On today's show, we are going to cover Carlsbad Caverns, one of the best destinations we've had in a long time, and the Carlsbad, New Mexico area. Man, they aren't joking when they say that is a World Heritage Site. It really is. It It is one of the most stunning caves. It is the most stunning yeah. cave I've ever been in, for sure. Sorry, Mammoth. Sorry, but Mammoth. We love you. Great. We love you, Mammoth. But Carlsbad just blew my socks off. Even the second time we went through yeah. the exact same space, my socks flew right off. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Literally. <laughs> but before we get into that, we have up on the YouTube channel, the Our Wandering Family YouTube channel, we have our video up of Roswell, which we covered in last week's episode. So make sure to go and check that out. And we'll have a Carlsbad Caverns video up shortly, a few days after this episode comes out. We sure will. And, you know, something we're also trying to do over at RV Miles YouTube channel, which I guess I should start mentioning RV Miles has one of those, is that we are trying to do drive throughs of all of the campgrounds that we go to because we have found that to be so helpful when we are booking a campground we have never been to before. To be able to visually see the site and the space makes all the difference in the world. So we have been trying to get those up on the RV Miles YouTube channel. That's right. So the video tour of the Bottomless Lakes State Park campground is up on the RV Miles website. And we'll have lots more of those as we continue to travel the country. And we're thinking about maybe getting some submitted from from other people. So if you have a campground that you want to do a video tour of and you have the capabilities to do that, please let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Some news this week. Travel trends for 2018. TripAdvisor, you know, obviously TripAdvisor is one of the biggest travel websites there is, and they're in a unique position to track travel trends. And they released their list of sort of the top experiences in in travel and outdoor cultural and culinary experiences have seen sharp increases in the last year. And that seems to be the going trend, what people are interested in doing. Everybody wants to opt outside. They do. I think it's fantastic. Especially aquatic type things. People really want to do canoe tours. They want to do kayaking, snorkeling, sunset cruises, all that kind of stuff. But the culinary stuff is what really interested me. People doing uh, food tours of different areas and uh, cooking classes that sort of stuff. 57% increase of those types of experiences on TripAdvisor. You know, what's interesting, though, is that when I was looking through this list and we were talking about it, boat tours and culinary experiences, I looked at you and I was like, well, that's just an average vacation in Chicago. That is. is, you know, boat tours, especially the architectural tour is like the tour. Like that's what you take when you're there. And there's so many other boat tours you can do as well. And there's just tons of different cooking schools. And you looked at me and you said what? In fact, the Chicago Architecture River Cruise is the number one most popular experience in the U.S. for all global travelers. That does not surprise me because that tour is so good. Like if you go to Chicago and you only have one day or one event you can do, go on that architectural tour. Really? It's 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 stunning. Rounding out that list of sort of the top. 10 things that global travelers really want to do is a lot of skip the line type experiences. People are, are sort of opting this stuff where like the new, the New York city, one world observatory pay extra to skip the line. Well, what did uh, we just talk about last week with Yellowstone? Yeah. You can skip the line. Now you can purchase your entrance pass online and you can just kind of bypass everyone waiting to get in. Like that, you know, is a trend. At least I feel like when you go to Disney, you're crazy not to do fast pass. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I, 
I am not a fan of skip the line paid experiences. If you go to Disney World, it is fair and equitable. Everybody has the opportunity for a number of fast passes in a day. As long as you book them out, it is not an additional charge. If you go to Universal Studios, you pay extra and you get to skip the line. And I'm just not a fan of that because I don't I don't like it to be based on you know what how much you, money what you can you afford have. how much yeah. money if you're rich you get to jump in front of all the poor people in line because you paid extra I, I, i'm not a fan of that look everyone who goes to universal by the time they get there is poor anyway because it costs so much to go <laughs> it's, <true. laughs> it's the same with disney by the time you actually get to the disney vacation you're like broke so i think it's a great way to sort of help control traffic in the sense of And I agree with you. I appreciate when those are built into what you're already paying for. Things like with Yellowstone, you're paying it regardless. You're just happening. You just happen to purchase it in advance. I think that's fantastic. It just it keeps those who didn't know about that or perhaps that wasn't an option for them. It does kind of still help them not have to sit in line as long because you purchased this ahead of time and you're going to go on through. The number one fastest growing experience category in the U.S. for U.S. travelers in 2017 is historical and heritage tours. People are finally getting on my wagon. (laughs) They really are. These are like my this is my jam. These tours are my jam. One of the top 10 uh, experience new experiences in 2017 was the live Nashville walking tours. Twenty two bucks and visitors get to explore Nashville's honky tonk history, colorful characters on a hundred minute walking tour with a local guide throughout town. And we, we kind of looked into doing that when we were in Nashville, but uh, we didn't really have the time. And I think I want to go back and do it now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I always want to go and do every historical tour we can get our hands on. Like if we can walk through an old historical building, mm-hmm. I'm there. I will be first in line. What we really thought was cool about the Nashville area too, and other areas have this, but Tennessee really has this figured out. They have these driving tours that you can pick up the brochure at a rest stop and they're like self-guided driving tours. And some of them are short. Some of them are hundreds of miles, but you can go see a bunch of destinations and it's all figured out for you. I think that was one of my favorite things about when we were in New Orleans, too, was that there were so many self-guided, but also tour guide led adventures that you could go on. And I think that's another reason why I loved the French Quarter so much. The history there and the ability to interact with that history is really strong in New Orleans. Like they really embrace the fact that they know they have a really diverse and culturally rich history and they will take you and they will walk you all over the place and let you look at it. There are also a lot of self-guided tour apps that you can download and get a lot of audio tour or reading tour type things. Um, we we did that in Cades Cove in yes. Smoky Mountains National Park. That was a really cool. That was cool because we're driving from yes. stop to stop and we get to listen about the next stop just before we reached it and then get out. And we already knew something about it. Yeah. And it wasn't like you were wearing headphones. So because we were running it through the car, all of us got to listen to it. And because the kids were buckled in and they couldn't go anywhere, they were forced to listen to it as well. <laughs> <laughs> Whether they liked it or not, they got a piece of history. So if you want to learn more about that, you can check out the article on RVMiles.com. Another big piece of news that we're following is the story out of Michigan. There's a group of campgrounds, especially in the Mackinac Island area, the Mackinac KOA, the TP campground, and the Mackinac Mill Creek campground. And they're talking about this issue that is happening in Michigan where they have all of these visitors bureaus. So there's a law that created all these visitors bureaus across the state and they're run by these sort of local boards of stakeholders and what's happening is sort of the biggest types of accommodations the hotels the big lodges are dominating the boards of these organizations and this year multiple different membership organizations these visitors bureaus in michigan have increased their fees dramatically this one the mackinaw area visitors bureau that these three campgrounds are a part of has increased their membership fee from $500 a year to $10,000 plus a year, making it impossible for these campgrounds to be a part of the organization that was 90% of their advertising. Well, also aren't 
KOAs like independently owned? Yeah, then this is an end. Some KOAs are are owned by the company. Most are privately owned. These all three of these campgrounds are small family owned. Right. So if you are franchised and privately owning a KOA, how on earth are you supposed to go from a five hundred dollar budget to be a part of the Visitors Bureau to a ten thousand dollar budget? You would have to raise your camping fees dramatically more than just double, I would assume. And that's what these campgrounds are warning. They are trying to get their uh, state Senate involved. They're warning that camping costs are going to go way up because not only do they pay these fees, they have to pay a tax that goes to this visitors bureau as well on their total income. And that requires them to share with the visitors bureau, which is ran by their biggest competitors, all of their sales data so that they can prove, you know, what, what their tax is supposed to be. So there are a lot of these smaller lodges and inns that are really complaining because they're getting shut out and they're being forced to pay these massive fees to essentially private corporations that they have no say in. Well, what is crazy to me too about this story is that here we're reporting almost weekly the trend in RV travel. It's up. People are out there. They're getting out. They're experiencing the campgrounds. And it makes no sense to me why you would want to shut out an industry that is starting to boom. Why you wouldn't want to partner with these three campgrounds in an incredibly touristy area of Michigan. And these fees are just for lodging. They're not for the restaurants and attractions. Those those sorts of places only have to pay $70 a year or something like that. So it's it is really a move by these boards to push out their competitors. And it's it's uh, it's a little frightening. And that on top of the fact that Michigan's state park campgrounds are expensive and have been raising their rates. Camping in Michigan is is potentially getting more difficult. I'm curious to see where this is going to go. We will, of course, follow that story and more as it continues to develop. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we are going to talk about Carlsbad Caverns right after we have the answer to last week's brain teaser. Be right back. All right, last week's brain teaser went like this. The following sequence of letters, J, F, M, A, M, J, J, A. What are the next three letters? Before you give the answer away, can I tell you that when I went into the inbox and read one of the correct answers, I literally like face palmed myself because (laughs) I couldn't believe that I didn't catch on to the pattern at all. Like not at all. I didn't catch on to the pattern. So the letters are the first letter in the months of the year, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, the next three letters, September, October, November. And this is very near and dear to my heart because the months, July, August, September, October, November spell out Jason. Oh, yeah, they do, don't they? They do. (laughs) Is that why you're named Jason? I don't think so. (laughs) No, it's because you were born in the 80s and everyone was was named named Jason. Jason. That's right. (laughs) Yes. I believe it was the number one. And I was was born in 1980. Let's not. Okay, sorry. I don't want to misrepresent. (laughs) Don't want to make you seem younger than you are. You were born right at the beginning of the 80s. It was the number one name of 1980, and I got it. Yeah, you sure did. I'm number one. (laughs) All right, who's our winner this week? Our winner is Deborah Smith from Washington, who will receive an RV Miles decal. And we will have this week's brain teaser at the end of the show. So we have had a lovely week uh, or almost two. Almost two weeks. Spending uh, time in Carlsbad, New Mexico, visiting both Carlsbad Caverns and 
Guadalupe Mountains National Park, which is in Texas. We're going to talk about Guadalupe on the next episode of the show. But uh, we wanted to talk today about just this wonderful, amazing cave, Carlsbad Caverns. Yeah, I feel like to get this conversation started, we should just immediately go to probably the most epic quote of the entire trip, which was done by our 10 year old son, Jack, on our second pass through the big room. He looked at me and he said, I had no idea something so beautiful could be below ground. He did. And he just was in awe of the space. And this is on our second time through. Yeah. So, you know, the first impact, I think we were or the first pass, I should say, I think we were all just like completely overwhelmed. And then the second time we went through the big room, I think then the real sort of like beauty and just like awe inspiring design of nature inside this space just really kind of took hold of all of us. So we took the natural entrance into the cave. Our first day. Uh, our first day, which is an absolute do not miss. Yeah, it's a um, must do for sure. There, This cave is laid out pretty smart where you can go in through the natural entrance and it is a, a very long hike into the cave. I mean, not very long. It's not multiple miles. It's it's probably a little over a mile down into the to get to the big room area of the cave. Do you think it's only a mile? Because I feel like it's it might much be a little bit more. That. I feel like it took us and I know we it have takes small a while. feet. It, there's but... small feet and you're also walking downhill and you're having to force yourself to not go too fast so you don't you know, overcome yourself running down the hill. <laughs> this is true. Because <laughs> it's also a little wet on the trail. But and you just keep was... stopping to look at everything. Yeah. The, oh, we do. The natural entrance, we almost skipped it because we just thought, well, you know, we've got all these little feet and stuff, but we didn't realize the natural entrance is uh, almost as good as the rest of the stuff you'll see in the cave. You go through giant room after giant room. These rooms are the size of stadiums. They are. It's it is incredible. I will say, though, that if you have if you are uncomfortable with heights. This may not be the adventure for you. Our seven year old really, I think, struggled for the first 45 minutes of this journey. I thought he would settle in much sooner and he yeah, didn't. It took him a while. And part of that is because it's not like a gentle slope, this yeah. trail down into the cave. It's almost like you look over the railing and you can see straight down below you the path continuing, not laid out on the horizon, straight down below and you. And it's fairly dark if you have poor eyesight. I mean, yep. it's lit so you can see. But if you have poor eyesight and you're afraid of heights, that could be a challenge. There are plenty of railings. Absolutely. It's all very safe. But you should be mindful. And I did find myself a few times grabbing a hold of even my 10 year old. Just because I needed a hand on somebody, just because I needed to know that that person was being safe as we were going through some particular areas, because there were some places where you could stop and take in the beautiful scenery of the cave. But I didn't feel like I felt like they were deceptively safe, if that makes sense. And we experienced that a few times once we got down and into the big room as well. We felt like they were deceptively safe. The brilliant thing about Carlsbad is that you take this natural entrance tour and you get down to the big room tour, which is an, a loop down there. And you're going through switchback after switchback to get down there. But once you get down there, there's an elevator to take you back up so there you is. don't have to walk up. And if you don't want to do the natural entrance, if you can't do it for whatever reason or uh, if you want a wheelchair accessible tour, you can just take the elevator down to the big room and back up and you don't have to do that mile plus or whatever it was of walking down into there. So the natural entrance is beautiful, but then you get down into the big room tour and it is just full of. Uh, I know it's some hard of to the describe. Most wonderful cave formations you've ever seen. Stalactites that are 70 feet high. 70 feet, that's seven story building high. It is just full of some of the most massive and beautiful cave formations. And they just keep coming. You just think you're, you're seeing, you're going to keep going and see more of the same. 
but you keep going and you see. Yeah, it's like once it's once you think that you're like done, like you've seen it all. Then the cave is like, uh uh, I have one more thing I want to throw at you. Then it throws this thing at you and you're like, there could not possibly be anything more spectacular in here. And then the big room, I mean, it just keeps going. They're not joking when they call this the big room. I think the video we watched said that you could fit three Capitol buildings into that space. Like that's how big it is. It is also not the bottom. I just want to like, throw yeah, that you out get there. to see, it's you get to bottom. go over a, an area where you can see down into the lower cave. The you lower, think you're at yeah. the bottom of these caves and there's more. And that, that lower cave, see. that was one of the areas where I had to have hands on children. <laughs> like I said to you, like, let's not take any pictures right here. I just need us to be with the kids because that particular area made me feel a little bit nervous. And the same when we got over to the bottomless pit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, put a hand on, put a hand on Jack, please. <laughs> so the, the natural entrance and the big room tour, they're all part of the same self-guided walking tour. And you can actually rent headphones and, and get a listening tour as well. There is a fee to get in. I think it's $12 per, per adult. And then it's less for, for children. And, and you go it on your own. There are other tours that you can take to other parts of the cave and then an entirely different cave that's a little bit further away with that are ranger led that involves squeezing through small areas and crawling and, and all that fun Things stuff. Things Jason doesn't want to do. So the thing about the self-guided natural entrance into the big room tour is that that entrance fee will be good for three days. Yeah. And it also will include re-entry. So if you do the natural entrance, you get down there and you need to come back up the elevator for whatever reason, you just need to go have some lunch or take a break. You can go back down and you can finish the tour. We want to stress, however, because this did happen to us. So the natural entrance will close at 2.30 for the day. The last entry will be, I think, 2.15, At least it does at this time of year. I yeah. don't know what it does at other times, but right now. But right now yeah. it does. The There is a back half of the big room, which, which offers. Which is the best half. Yes. Like it has the bottomless pit, the lower cave. And I think it also has the, at this point, like 95% of the cave is no longer growing, but it does have one massive stalagmite that is still growing and it is spectacular. But that section of the big room will close at 3.30 or maybe perhaps we should say 90 minutes before the visitor center closes. While we have been here, the visitor center closed at five o'clock. So those are some things to bear in mind. The ranger led tours, I believe, are about $30 a person and they or... take place on different days. They're different prices. They're around that range, but they're not all every day. You know, no. so you have to look at the schedule and they fill up fast. I overheard a ranger talking to a couple that wanted to go on a candlelight tour, which I think sounds so cool. The entire tour happens with candlelight like there's no other light. And he was checking dates for them and everything was booked. And they had shown up wanting to tour that day. And he had said and stressed to them, you know, these tours just book really fast. If there's one, you know, if you can't get a booking in advance, really show up like right when we open. Yeah. And try to get into because we do allocate, I think, like some walk in spaces or something. So that is something to think about, too. They're very uh, sparse when they have the tours and they do pick up fast. And I imagine in the summertime, it's even faster so if you have one day you can arrive at carlsbad and you do want to get there early so that you can make it down to the big cave before that back section closes you have one day go into the natural entrance take a walk down there there is at at the base of the elevator where the big room tour starts there is what they call the lunch room and they've got tables in there there are restrooms down there Restrooms. Restrooms. Way down there. Like not, not like nice vault. restrooms. Yeah, they're not like, you know, pit toilets or vault toilets. They're you actually go through a cave <laughs> yeah. to get to the restrooms. It's kind of wild. Um I didn't need to actually use the restroom, but I went and used the restroom anyway, just so I could say that I went and used a restroom seven hundred and fifty feet underground. But regardless, you can get down to that lunchroom area, then you can take the elevator back up, have your lunch out of the picnic table outside or whatever. And then go back down and do the big room tour if you have just the one day. 
But I would stress if you're going to take the elevator down, I imagine on very busy days, there's probably a line because there are only there are two elevators operating right now. They have four in there, but they only are using two right now. I don't know if they use all four. And there are there are times when the elevators aren't working at all. They do list on the website whether in big red letters at the top of the National Park Service website, whether the elevator is operational. So you might want to check that out before you make the drive there. Yeah. And they'll only allow, I think, seven people on an elevator at a time. But if you have more than one day, we would recommend doing that natural entrance tour, coming back up, doing something else, and then coming back the next day and doing the big room tour. Yeah. And then if you have more than two days, you can do a ranger led tour if you want to. And that's what we did. We had two days. So the first day we did the natural entrance and we did walk the big room. However, the back half of the big room was closed, so we didn't get to do that. The second day we came, we did just opt to take the elevator down and then we did all of the big room again, including that section we had missed. And we took the elevator back up. And that, I think, was absolutely perfect for our family. I don't think our kids would have tolerated the natural entrance twice because it was really taxing for them. I think a little bit more than it was a lot. And I don't think I would have been comfortable putting Ethan through that again once I realized that this was a pretty legitimate concern for Ethan and he was struggling. We also were doing a lot of hikes and a lot of (sighs) days in a row. Yeah, we did like five days in a row of hikes. (laughs) We were our legs were pretty like burnout and. I mean, if we were tired and we're grownups, the kids were pretty exhausted. So that is something else that you can do at Carlsbad Caverns is they do have several trails that you can hike. They have some short little hikes to to some scenic overlooks. And then they have some really epic longer hikes, particularly to Rattlesnake Canyon, which we were able to see on a scenic drive loop that you Mm -hmm. can do. It's a nine and Um, a half mile scenic looped it's it's a it's a gravel road sort of like a washboard gravel road yeah nine and a half miles of a loop about 15 miles an hour so it takes you a while to get through this but halfway is an overlook of rattlesnake canyon and man it's beautiful it is the above ground of carlsbad caverns is just as no i won't say just as it is spectacular it's beautiful beautiful. it's not quite what's underground correct and one thing about this scenic drive that we went on, and I think it was called like Walnut Tree or. Uh, it's the it's a uh, it's the Walnut Canyon. Walnut Canyon. You cannot have an RV on there. You can't have anything with a low clearance. Like there are some specifications about what kind of vehicle is not allowed yeah. on the road. So. But there is RV mind. parking. We should say when you get to Carlsbad Caverns, it is a good seven miles from the entrance to the visitor center and the visitor center is on top of a mountain. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of walk down into the cave from there. Uh, So you are, you're making a a trek up a windy road to get up there and you can take an RV up there. There is RV parking up there, but you cannot park overnight. And if you have a car with you, it's probably best to take the car instead of wasting all that fuel, taking your RV up there. We should mention too, and this was something we have, not really come across in a lot of national parks yet on our travels is that they have a pet kennel. Yeah. Service. Yeah. So you can drop your pet off. Yes. Which I think is so cool. So you can bring your little fur baby with you. You don't have to leave that fur baby in the car. They have a place that you can have your pet go completely taken care of. I don't know if there is a fee. That would be something you would want to look into. But regardless, especially in the warm summer New Mexico months, that's a great option. And to I have. think that's why a lot of people drive their RV up yeah. there because they want to have that place for their pet to be. But you can bring them along and put them in this kennel. So the other big thing that you can do at Carlsbad Caverns is in the warmer months is the bat flight, which we missed. We weren't able to see the bat flight, but there are what are what kind of bats are they? You know, more. they are uh, Brazilian bats that migrate here between the months of March and October. And they live in the caves. You you can't go into that section of the cave that they're in. They live quite a decent ways into the cave, too, which has been a lot of research has been going on because it's so unusual for bats to go so deep into the cave. And. At dusk every evening, 
the opening of the nat- natural entrance is a sort of rock amphitheater where you can sit uh, on these stone benches and watch the bats fly out. We have heard that it is just the most spectacular sight. It is thousands of bats, you know, exiting this entrance to go out into the dusk sky to search for insects. And we saw a little bit of footage of it when we watched. There's like a 12 minute video, you know, you can watch of the park in the exhibit center. And just the video alone, I was like, wow, this must just be something incredible to behold. And I was disappointed that we are just weeks away from being able to see it with our own eyes. So Carlsbad is so much more than just the cave, but the cave is stellar. The cave Um, is enough on its own. It is. It really holds its own. But if you've got the time to explore the rest of the park, do it. And don't think that you'll be disappointed by it because we certainly were not. Okay, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to cover the Carlsbad area, some of the other things you can do in and around Carlsbad, New Mexico, and the accommodation options where we stayed to visit Carlsbad Caverns. We'll be right back. So if you want to come visit Carlsbad Caverns and the Carlsbad area and nearby Guadalupe Mountains National Park, there are some camping options in Carlsbad. There is a campground right outside Carlsbad Caverns, right at the entrance. Which is in White City. Yeah, White City is the entrance. It's called White City Campground, and you'll see advertisements for it forever and they run that whole little area. They run the gas station and all this sort of stuff around there. And it's like tourist trap central. It uh, is. They have a water park. The cam- I'm not kidding. The campsites quotes. are, I, they got to be five feet apart. And some people will absolutely love that because of how close you are to Carlsbad Caverns. Like that. It is right there. You are literally a stone's throw from the entrance into the park, which is fantastic. But I don't think I've ever seen campsites so close. No, I've never seen campsites so close. I am more content to have a little bit more open space and drive. It's about a 45 minute drive from where we are. So we are at Brantley Lake State Park. We're which at a is, New Mexico State Park. It is the closest New Mexico State Park to Carlsbad Caverns. And yeah, it's about 45 mm-hmm. minute drive in. And one of the things you do need to be cautious about is there's one main strip through the city of Carlsbad and it can get pretty busy at rush hour. Yeah. And it's called Canal Street or Canal Avenue, one or the other. And it does. It can get really congested and it gets really congested over by the Walmart. <laughs> like, it doesn't seem to matter what time of day it is. Actually, it's really congested over by the well, Walmart. Especially what we learned. <laughs> if you're a traveler, this is this is some good advice that we learned. Do the not hard way. visit Walmart. And maybe people know this already. Do not visit Walmart on Fridays after five o'clock because everybody's there cashing their paycheck. Yeah, (laughs) everybody's there. And so we had like this perfect storm when we rolled into the Carlsbad area. We needed to go and get some groceries. So it was Friday night. It was the first of the month. And it was also the Friday before Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. So everyone was. Yeah. (laughs) It was so Jason and the kids dropped me off and I went inside and I was like, you know, I'm going to be I knew exactly what I needed and I was going to fly through and get everything. It was going to take me like 20 minutes. It took me almost an hour. And I would say that 75 percent of what I needed was out because apparently we eat only Super Bowl Sunday food in our house. And on top of that, I probably spent the majority of the time standing in line and it ended up that you and the kids came in because you'd been waiting so long that we had someone who needed to use the restroom so then you guys came in and we're like well i guess we'll just go hang out in toys since let's, this is <laughs> taking forever <laughs> let's talk about our other experience I know, with this I know, Walmart I <laughs> because we had so we yes. our car we, we were driving from one of the places we visited while we were here and our car our minivan developed a a pretty severe wobble yeah and we had only been here i think it was day two of being here 
And it was a Saturday at around five Mm o'clock. So none of the vehicle repair type places were open or they were all about to close. Yeah, because we're thinking it's an alignment issue. Well, we thought at first we thought it was an alignment issue. So we went to to the Walmart. Walmart was open. Their their auto center was open till six, seven, seven. And they uh, they don't do alignment there. No. Uh, But uh, I called the father in law who's a tire guy. He's a car guy. And he he didn't think it had anything to do with the alignment. And he thought it was ball joint issue. Uh, and there was no way Walmart was going to fix something like that. But there's also no way we wanted to drive on that. The 12 miles back to the campground. No, and, because some of that road was going to be off. Well, first off, to get out of Carlsbad, the road, the highway has like a speed limit, I think, of 70 or 70, 75. Yeah. So there was that issue that we certainly did not want to be driving that fast. And then on top of that, to get into the campground, you do have to come off onto a road that's kind of bumpy and you drive that into the state park, into the campground area. So both were not options. No, we felt good about it. And, and a ball joint, a bad ball joint uh, is, is not something you want to be driving on regardless. And uh, so we started looking for rental cars, cabs. Anything like that and nothing. We, no, the cab no. companies Abby called were not there answering. Are no, I would call the number and it would be like the Verizon lady would come on and be like, this number you're trying to reach <laughs> no longer exists. And no Uber, no Lyft. No Lyft, no Uber. And we were a little shocked by the fact that this is Carlsbad. We didn't. It's a decent sized town. It's a decent sized town. We could not find a car rental place. I think there's one. There's an enterprise in the city and they were closed by five o'clock on a Saturday. Weren't opening back up till Monday. So we're sitting here again. We've only been here about 36 hours. We have not had time to get to know the city at all. We are sitting in a Walmart parking lot two days in a row now. We're at Walmart. We're sitting in the parking lot. Jason and I are both frantically on our phones trying to figure out, are we going to be able to get back to the campground? Are we going across the street to this hotel over here and staying the night tonight and trying to figure out what we're going to do? We decide that we need to get the tire off. Like My dad is like, hey, you need to get the tire off and you need to look at it. So we decide to drive over to a McDonald's. (laughs) Listen again, here are the Eppersons, Walmart and McDonald's. Like... It's like it's going to be our biography title. So we get over to the Walmart or to the McDonald's. Kids and I go in. Jason takes the tire off and I'll let you take. Well, so I just I was just putting it up on the jack to sort of see if it was loose or wiggling or anything as a ball joint would do. And it wasn't. So I was talking to my father in law and we were kind of like, well, I don't know. Maybe he said maybe the, the there's a you broke a belt in the tire. Take it off and, and see. You'll know right away. So I take the tire off and I can't even get the tire to stand up straight. It's, it's so warped. <laughs> we were so frustrated because by this time, Walmart's closed. So it turns out that it was a tire <laughs> issue and Walmart could have fixed the darn thing in the first place and we would have been fine and they're closed. But I put the I put the spare on. The spare doesn't have the spare on our Chrysler Town and Country is one of those that's up underneath the middle and you have to go in under the center console. You assemble a tool and you put it on this bolt and you drop the tire down and then you pull the tire out and then put it on. And then you have to bring out the whole carriage back up underneath. And then the spare what didn't have enough air in it. So I went to three different gas stations and two different car washes. None of them had air. <laughs> Finally ended up back at the gas station outside the Walmart, which had an air pump. I had a dollar and quarters and it was a dollar fifty. So I go inside the Walmart. I buy a candy bar and get changed so that I can go to the gas station, get quarters from the gas station attendant, get some air. Finally, we we're able to make it back. And then we go back to Walmart again the next day and get two new front tires on our vehicle. It was you it can't was make wild. This, yeah, you can't make this stuff up like this was this was our first like three days in Carlsbad. And we were so exhausted that I think we didn't really leave the campground for like days after that. We just wanted to stay put. So. So anyway, anyway, it was quite an epic first weekend here, but we are at the Sprantley Lake State Park. The campground itself is 
I'm going to be honest. It's not my favorite to it's, date. It's well, the the campground and the campsites are well taken care of. Yes. They're nice. It is somewhat pretty here. You are in the middle of an area where there's lots of um, oil fields and natural gas. You can sometimes smell it. Mm-hmm. Um, you the- also just get knocked by the wind here. We're up on yeah. a hill. There is no barrier. And, and not a lot of scenery, really, to be honest. No, but here's the positive. The biggest positive, which makes me say I would come back, is that we are just a stone's throw from the park. There is a path that leads from our campsite directly to the park. And the kids have just had open access the whole two weeks we have been there. And we have not had to go with them. In fact, that is where they are right now while we're recording this podcast. They're up playing at the park. They've also made some friends several times while we've been here, which has been really wonderful for them. So there have been some nice highlights. If you need a shower. Don't shower here. The showers are pretty terrible. <laughs> shower before you come. Um, they just don't work, you know, or, or they don't get hot or they don't. In the men's bathroom, there is one that works, but they're the kind that sprays super wide. So the kids can't use them because they're not tall enough. For it to be warm, it's cold by the time it gets down there. Yeah. And uh, that's a problem in both the men and women. And then there's one that doesn't work at all. And then the handicap one only it only works for a half second every time. you. The press handicap the one doesn't even work in the second. women's restroom. So the bathroom is older. Um, it's not as they don't clean it as often as it probably needs to, especially after the weekend. You know, weekends are always kind of a busier time in campgrounds. And on Mondays, there is no one who goes in and cleans the bathroom. So they're a little bit dirtier than probably a lot of people would like. And this is something we actually had heard going into this campground. I had read in a couple different times when I was searching or someone was talking about it on YouTube. So I was hoping that wasn't going to be the case. But unfortunately, this is all living up to be true. But you do get you get a nice as the other New Mexico state parks are. You get a nice site that is paved and flat and you get a little pavilion with your picnic table. It's a beautiful spot. They're, they're great spots. It, it is a good place to visit Carlsbad. And there and, is some primitive camping nearby as well. Yeah, the primitive campground for, for tent campers is is fairly nice as well. You can also have RVs down there too. It's not just tents. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't so, know yeah, as I've been out on my runs through the area, I've often seen RVs down there. So, so that's where we're staying. Like I said before, there are other campgrounds in town with Car- in, in Carlsbad. There and are. then there's that white city that's outside the caverns itself. But I think at the end of the day, and I'm sure people who come back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people who've been listening to this podcast know us well enough that if we have a choice between staying in town, staying in a state park, staying at a private campground, we're probably almost always going to pick the state or national campground. From here, it takes us about 45 minutes, as we said earlier, to get to Carlsbad Caverns. And then there's Guadalupe Mountains National Park, which takes about an hour 15 to get to. But it's worth from it. Here. But but worth it, it is. Uh, do not miss. I can't wait to talk wonderful about Wonderful place that we will talk about next week. There are other things to do in Carlsbad as well. There's a, a scenic drive that you can take around and through town and some other interesting little places to check out within the city we really liked the the other state park that's near here that doesn't have camping but the other state park is the living desert the living desert state park and zoo uh living desert and zoo state park Mm -hmm. and there is a fee to get in there even if you do have the new mexico state parks pass there is still a fee to get in there and it is kind of like a walkthrough uh desert style zoo i thought it was going to be a lot of like snakes and reptiles type Mm-mm. stuff and it's really not it's a lot of birds like prairie dog dogs other types of animals bears all kinds of different animals that you get to visit and it's really nice well the zoo is set up or the living desert is set up to represent the different types of deserts you can see in new mexico so they're recreating those sections as you walk through so i think that's one of the reasons maybe why you didn't see as many reptiles from start to finish as you would expect is because they're trying to give you a flavor of like the different deserts and locales that you'll visit here in New Mexico. And if you are a member of your hometown zoo, you will get a discount though for getting in here. I think for us uh, being Kansas City Zoo members, 
I think it ended up being like 250 a person. If you're a member of one of the zoos in the American yes. Zoo Association. Yeah. Yep. So again, that's another thing to check into. You get a little bit of a discount depending on the setup they have. For some people, it'll be free. For some people, it's 50% off. It was a really enjoyable afternoon. We did get to experience a barbershop quartet while we were there. And <laughs> the I'm, Caverniers. The Caverniers. Carlsbad Caverniers. And they were super cool, like four older guys who, you know. It was I'm, their Valentine's program. It was. And they were singing some, you know, oldies, some goodies, but some oldies. And it was I'm really glad that we could be there because we made up three quarters of their audience, <laughs> just the five of us. And as people who work in theater, anytime I see we go somewhere and anytime I see someone is going to have a program, they're going to stand <laughs> up and offer you their art. I have to watch that. Like I cannot allow someone and I could not allow these gentlemen to get up there and sing barbershop quartet and have nobody watching them like it just even if they were going to be off key and just not even knowing their lyrics I was going to sit there and those and my kids are going to sit there and we were going to cheer them on the whole time and I actually ended up really enjoying it and they were very funny they were they were very funny they were very funny so you might you know get a little some a little bonus if you go to the living desert and zoo around the valentine's day holiday so that was a really great afternoon that we spent there. I feel like that was kind of a one and done sort of experience. Yeah, though, yeah. Too. You, you, don't, don't... you don't need to go there a second day. It, it's a, maybe a, a three hour type uh, visit place. Yeah. And we did check out one local restaurant while we were here. We checked out a place called the No Winer Diner. That's <laughs> their name. And while the food was just OK, like it was nothing the to write home about. Fun. The yeah. atmosphere was fun. And they have like they it's, had this little sign that says something like, if you whine, you have to pay us like 50 cents. So the boys figured that by the time Henry, our four year old, left the diner, he owed them like seven dollars and 50 cents because he was just not having a good day at the no whiner diner. It's like he it's almost like he felt an injustice. Like you see how you rebel against adults as a, a young individual. He was like, oh, no wine or diner. I'll give you whining. Yeah, <laughs> here we, it is. This place, it was real kitschy and, and funny. It's sort of like a motel parking lot yeah. diner type place. And <laughs> yeah. like they have on the sign out front, put your fat. hope you have your fat pants on or something like that. <laughs> something. So we the food yeah. was just it was just so so it was OK. Um, it was, you know, fairly typical diner food where maybe they try to make too many different things outside the the comfort zone of the the diner yeah. food. Uh, like pro tip <laughs> from me to you, you do not need to order the prime rib fettuccine alfredo i've gone ahead and done that for Those are you two things and- <laughs> that really don't go together we thought <laughs> no. they might it sounds good no, they, they really don't not. go together they did not prime rib i think is just a little too fatty to put on fettuccine alfredo also and i didn't mind it but some people really and this i think was a little bit of a debate in carlsbad because the McAllister's guy brought it up they put peas in their fettuccine yeah. alfredo and you know, I think and they make a stink about it on their menu. They sure do. They're like they're not joking. We put peas in there because we think it makes fettuccine <laughs> Alfredo better. OK, so that's but shout. Hey, shout out, though, to Bobby at McAllister's. Yeah. If hey, you've never been to a McAllister's, it's a you know, it's a chain where they have sort of fast food sandwiches and baked potatoes and stuff. But they have really good prices there, too. Good Let's just throw that and, out and there. Good, good prices. Clean food. And yeah. it was it was it was good. And Bobby. Bobby took care of us. He was so nice and he talked to us for a long time, gave us some recommendations as we continue through our travels. And it was amazing, too, that we had a Chicago connection yeah. that he had been there and spent some time there. And we were able to chat with him about that. But and we love McAllister's because it's not it's not McDonald's. It's not, you know, burgers yeah. and greasy food. But then they also have kids kids meals that are a dollar. Now, it depends on which McAllister's you go to. Yeah. Some of them it is a dollar a kid's meal if you dine in and some of them it's only if you dine out and you don't know until you get there which one it's going to yeah. be. And I know that a lot of people say, you know, when you're traveling, you should try to just go to the local restaurants to get a feel of the local life. And, and we love that. We too. love that, too. But we also really appreciate a good chain restaurant that sometimes we, you just need the familiarity. Well, 
local people like to go to McAllister's well, too. And I mean, clearly they were not full of tourists. We no. were probably the only tourists in there. And sometimes you just can't take the time to go and figure, go on Yelp and figure out what the local places are to go to. Go look at the menu, see if there's stuff your kids will eat, see if there's stuff that you'll want. Sometimes you just don't have the time for that and you need to go to something that's familiar and there's nothing wrong with that. Thank you, McAllister's, and thank you, Chili's. <laughs> yeah. Man, our kids love Chili's. <laughs> they do love they Chili's. They really do love Chili's. So that was so on that note, uh, we love you local diners. We love you chain restaurants. This was Carl's bad. This we was just our like little food. We just like food. <laughs> we just like food. We're gonna grill some steaks tonight. It's actually Valentine's Day that we're recording this. We're gonna grill some steaks tonight. It's also the eleven year anniversary. Of the night Jason proposed Aww. to me. I know. Aww. I know. That's like the first time I've ever gotten sentimental on the <laughs> podcast. It'll probably be the last time too. <laughs> but if you find yourself in this area, there's plenty to do and there's plenty of places for you to stay. So when we come back next week, we're going to talk about Guadalupe Mountains National Park and some other fun stuff. But until then. Let's do a brain teaser. Let's do a brain teaser. And I think teaser. you've got it this week. I do. Again, you're on a roll. A 10 foot rope ladder hangs over the side of a boat with the bottom rung on the surface of the water. The rungs are one foot apart and the tide goes up at the rate of six inches per hour. How long will it be until three rungs are covered? I'm not going to even attempt to answer that because perfectly honest, I was staring at my coffee cup. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, I want to drink this coffee. <laughs> we'll have the answer to that brain teaser and so much more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. And if you know the answer to this week's brain teaser, you can find us over at editor at rvmiles.com. If you want to suggest a brain teaser or suggest a topic for the podcast, we love to hear from you. And if you are enjoying the RV Miles podcast, we would be so thankful if you would leave us a five-star review over on iTunes and subscribe to the channel. Also, please feel free to share us around your social media circles or in face-to-face -face conversation with a friend or family member. Face-to-face -face conversations are great. So until next time, keep logging those RV miles. Bye, everybody. <laughs>